Bishop Earl and I will discuss which church saves, and then we want to ask Pearl Wives a very special question next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to another show of Polygamy, What Love Is This? And as always, we have Bishop Earl as our co-host. Thanks for having me. And thanks for being here. And you're still doing Ex-Mormon Files? We are. Every post a new one every week, just as you do, and uh, seems to be going well. And in your... In your viewer responses or responses to people you talk to, do you ever get the question, well, if Mormonism isn't correct, which church which saves? Church. <laughs> now, that's come up a few times, yes. <laughs> so yeah. What do we do now? Yeah, what do we do if now? Because that's what, that, yeah. that's what they've been told all their that's lives. Right. So I thought maybe this time we would approach that yeah, question, talk to it a little bit yeah. about it. And, and, and then, of course, another topic is we have a, a special question that we want to ask plural wife viewers. Um, but first, which, which church saves? Now, there's many viewers who have asked that question through the years. If Mormonism isn't the true religion or polygamy is not the true religion, which one is? Because that's their mindset. There are a huge number of religions out there, yeah. and many of them claim to be the only true church. And the LDS Church, of course, claims to be the only true church on the planet. They always have claimed that. And the polygamists also teach the same thing. So we quoted this following passage uh, from the Doctrine and Covenants a couple of weeks ago in one of our shows then. But we need to quote it again for this particular topic. And not everybody can be right. That's right. right. <laughs> so this is out of section 1, verses 30 through 32. And also those to whom these commandments were given might have power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, with which I, the Lord, am well pleased. So that's official Mormon doctrine. Yeah, is that it's the only true church on the planet. And Joseph Smith taught that polygamy was an essential part of the only true church and for earning eternal life. And Brigham Young warned that all who refuse to live polygamy will be damned. So it's all part of this topic. Part of Joseph Smith's first vision story right. was God telling him that all the churches and all of the, the, their ministers were corrupt. Well, that's a broad statement to apply to the entire population of the planet. So we challenge the claims of total and complete exclusivity, especially to those who are considering getting out from under the burden of Mormonism. The question becomes, well, if the Mormon church isn't the true church, which one is? What will I do now? Please understand that when we say Mormonism, it includes all the Mormon polygamy groups as well as the LDS church. And their question is a valid question. They've suddenly discovered their church is false, that they've been taught that every church uh, is the church of the devil. What in the world are they supposed to do? So sadly, many of them just totally reject God. They yeah, reject any church. They reject they the Bible and all that goes with it. Well, the answer to this question is important and is simple. And we find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. Yep. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
both their Lord and ours. So this is a description of God's only true church. Now, uh, notice that this is called the Church of God. This one was a small group of Christians in yeah. the town of Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth. God's true church, of course, has groups of uh, believers all over the world. The second point to notice is that it refers to all those who are sanctified in Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who sanctifies us. We don't sanctify ourselves. <laughs> Eternal life is not a result of any works that we can do. Number three, it specifies those who are called to be saints. By the way, the early Christians were former day saints, <laughs> followers of true Christianity. And number four, God's true church includes all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord in here is extremely important because the Lord has priority, has supremacy in everything and above everybody. It's not in the name of any prophet or any religious denomination, uh, not relying on any human effort, but relying only upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save them and sanctify them all who meet this criteria are included in God's true church yeah. it's not a building it's not a denomination it's not the name of a religion it's not a stack of books and conference messages and calls for obedience to laws and commandments or a contrived priesthood it's all those who believe in eternal life by grace alone through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone, and their doctrine from the Bible alone. That's Christianity, yeah. and that's God's true church. Now, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ includes believing in everything the Lord Jesus Christ taught, as recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We suggest everyone read all four Gospels, maybe in the next week or two. You know, Jesus spoke. And God tells us to listen to him. We quote Matthew. So, chapter 17, verse 5. Voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. So God said, listen to him. Yes. And that's what we need to do. Not to others, but to him. Jesus warned us of false prophets, false gospels, false gods, false Christs, and false salvation. So we want to look at some of those warnings to those who had an easily, you know, some of them are so people are so easily believe what they're taught, uh, and they were easily believing the false teachers who were teaching counterfeit religious ideas. Paul the Apostle wrote this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put it you put up with it easily enough. So there were people even then, just like there are today, who were preaching a different Jesus, that's a false Jesus, who were teaching a different gospel, that's a false gospel, and receiving different spirit. You know, there are more yeah. than just one good spirit out there. <laughs> people preach a different Jesus and the genuine Savior who is God the Son, and people just accept anything they're told. We've also been warned about a false gospel. In Galatians. Yeah, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This was big for me. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be 
eternally condemned. And recently, I, I've heard this before, but just recently I heard someone from the LDS Church using this and applying it to the Mormon gospel. <laughs> and that just makes me shudder because their gospel is different than the primitive gospel of the early apostles. One of the things I did in, uh, originally was to go back through the letters of Paul Romans and all those letters and to see exactly what the gospel was that he preached mm -hmm. and it wasn't Mormonism. It wasn't Mormonism <laughs> at all. So Absolutely when he says not. We, if, I'm, if you hear anything other than what I've been preaching to you then uh, it's, it's it could a be cursed. A curse. mm -hmm. yeah. Any alterations of God's gospel is cursed. That's right. It's right here. So you do have to do that and that's good that's good studying <laughs> there. And Jesus also warned of the false teachers and the false prophets and the false Christs we quote. Yeah, Matthew 24, 24, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So those are the people who are lead others astray, and they can and they will be able to perform great signs and miracles. They are counterfeit miracles, but they do it for the very purpose of deceiving people to follow them. Now you must realize that Satan does not walk around in a bright red devil's suit with a pointed tail and pointy ears, and he doesn't come up to us and hiss in our face and say, beware of me, I'm the devil, and I'm here to teach you bad things or give you bad feelings and lead you into hell. That's not the way the devil works. He's not stupid. He comes as a counterfeit. He comes as an angel of light. He comes as a bringer of good news and wonderful feelings. That's why we must obey God and test everything we hear from anyone, even the person you call a prophet, or you are in danger of being deceived. We quote 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4, verse 2. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And that's what we as Christians do. We, yeah. we, we clearly proclaim the Word of God as it is written in the Bible, and we don't change it, we don't add to it, we don't take from it, and we don't claim that it hasn't been translated correctly <laughs> because we do our studies to find out the truth. And, and, and an obvious red flag is, is that people are taught uh, very much of what they believe uh, that Mormonism is, and they even use the Bible as references to back up their false beliefs, but they usually use it out of context. Yeah. And selected scriptures. Selected yes. scriptures. Yeah. Uh, and of course, they don't believe what Jesus taught. Mormonism doesn't even believe what Jesus taught. Jesus taught monogamy. Um, from the very beginning, he said that that was God's way, that eternal life does not consist of marriage relationships. But Mormonism continues to include the teaching of eternal marriage and eternal polygamy, either here or in heaven, polygamy for sure, but even the Mormon church is going right. to be living it. Yeah. Jesus also declared all foods clean, read Mark chapter 7. And yet Mormonism, and insists upon rejecting what Jesus taught and making up their own rules like the word of wisdom, celestial marriage, all of them rules taught by men and not taught by God. We cannot refuse to believe what the Lord Jesus taught and expect to be considered part of his church. 
And they also rejected the uh, effectiveness. They do reject the effectiveness of Jesus' death on yeah. the cross. Yeah. They consider it incomplete. And their own works of worthiness must be added to what Jesus did for us. They all add something or many things that we must do to attain eternal life. That makes it a different gospel. And so it is a cursed gospel and won't save anyone. That's rough. <laughs> but uh -huh, it is rough. But Jesus' finished work on the cross is the only true gospel. We quote John 19. Now, verse 30. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Now, those words, it is finished, they were really telling to me when I first learned about this, is yeah. the original language is Greek. And that Greek word is tetelestai, the, the one that's been translated, it is finished. And the definition is paid in full. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins in full. There's nothing we can do to add to it or earn it. Believing is certainly a requirement. You have to believe it. We just believe God. Just believing and trusting in Him alone for full forgiveness and celestial glory. No works, no rituals, no commandments, no tithing, no polygamy, no covenants. Just believe Him and receive Him and He'll work the repentance and the sanctification in us when we trust Him. The only unforgivable sin is rejecting the remedy that God has provided for our sins. And it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. That's <laughs> simple. So which church saves? It includes all, or which church is the true church in the world, you know, and there's the one who saves. is all the people in all over the world from the time of the crucifixion of Jesus to this day and up to the last day who believe and trust exclusively that Jesus Christ alone is all that is needed for eternal life and that he is Lord. That's a great message, isn't it? <laughs> it is a wonderful message. so simple. It's not a denomination, no. you know, it's not a building, it's no centralized geographical location. Genesis 15, 6 completely and succinctly summarizes all this in just a few choice words. Yeah, Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So righteousness comes only by believing and trusting God. Yeah. But Mormonism and all of its boatloads of commandments and doctrines very clearly tells us they do not believe the Lord. They do not believe the Bible is God's word to us. In fact, official Mormon creeds admits this in their Articles of Faith, we quote. This was also big when you really stop and think about it. The Article of Faith number three. We believe that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. And then Article eight says, we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it's translated correctly. We also believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God. And so just in those two articles alone completely refutes the truth of the biblical gospel, yeah. right? Yeah. They don't believe the Lord because they don't believe the Bible is translated correctly. And they say you can be saved by keeping laws and commandments, which completely nullifies God's grace. Both of these creeds illustrate they do not believe what God teaches. God has given us a tool from which we measure truth from error, and that tool is the Bible and nothing else. They do not believe it or trust it, so they cannot be included in God's true church unless they turn away from their false gospel and turn to the truth, calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are hard words, but true ones. 
And now the question that I would like to ask our polygamist wife viewers is this. Are you married to a Boaz or to a Bozo? <laughs> now, admittedly, I got this idea. So <laughs> I got this idea for the title of, of this message from an article that I stumbled upon uh, as I was doing some research for something else on the internet. The article can be found at the link on the screen where a comparison of a Bozo or a Boaz is utilized. <laughs> and it, it really makes some great points and is well worth a little bit of time that it takes to read it. Now, you'll find the story of Boaz in the biblical book of Ruth in the Bible. The reason that this tweaked my interest was because, mainly because the polygamous community uh, claims that Boaz was a polygamist. Oh. Uh, and so that really caught my eye. But the Bible never says Boaz had more than one wife. Hmm. It never mentions Boaz in the context of polygamy. And when we get to the detailed genealogies in the Bible, wherever Boaz is listed, no other wives or children from other wives are listed. Now, with known polygamists like David and Solomon and Abraham and Jacob and others, in those genealogies, their other wives are listed and the children from those wives but not, that's not true with Boaz, so we can just come away realizing he was a monogamist. Now, using Boaz as an example for polygamy is really a bad idea for the polygamists if they want others to follow his example, that is. The article compares Boaz with a man of lesser character and integrity, so we decided to challenge our plural wife viewers to compare your husband with Boaz. I mean, after all, since the Bible is used to undergird your polygamous beliefs, it can also be rightfully used to compare behavior. Now, names in biblical times usually had meanings, and the name Boaz means strength. In fact, one of the pillars of the temple was named Boaz That's because right. it represented enduring strength. We want to quote from a contemporary polygamous man who wrote a book about his polygamy and his three wives. Yeah, this is Joe Darger, Love Times Three, page 199. There is an aspect of personal responsibility that is even more critical in plural marriage than in a monogamous relationship. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't carry three women's luggage through the airport. I can't carry three women's emotional baggage either. If I tried to fix and take care of every need, whether physical or emotional, there would be no end to the work and I would be little more than a pack horse. The best thing I can do is to listen to each of them and let them work it out. The minute I take on their emotional baggage, I enter a no-win situation that leads only to dependency. In our unique family structure, we have to maintain a healthy degree of independence and responsibility for meeting our own material and emotional needs. Now, that's the marriage in polygamy. That's he love. Is, he is a man. Yeah, that's love, right. Well, Boaz, he never had that attitude towards his future wife. In fact, he was more than willing to take all of her baggage, everything. In fact, it's rather coincidental that the the article uses the word baggage yeah, and Darker yeah. used the words baggage in saying he couldn't handle his wife's problems. <laughs> the article makes the point that Boaz laid claim to Ruth's baggage and took care of it. We quote again. A Boaz will handle your baggage with care. Boaz, as the kinsman redeemer, was not only willing to buy the land that had belonged to Ruth's dead husband, but he was also willing to honor the name of the dead husband when he married Ruth. The cost, financially and emotionally, did not cause Boaz to hesitate. There was another relative who was a close kinsman, 
But this relative was not willing to accept the baggage that came with marrying Ruth. Therefore, Boaz was granted the privilege of being Ruth's kinsman redeemer. Now, there's a lot of, of historical, rich historical information behind the story, of course, mm -hmm. but you can still appreciate the story on its own. Uh, and you also need to know that Boaz was a native Israelite and Ruth wasn't. She was the widow of, of a relative, but she was from Moab. And historically, the Moabites were enemies of Israel. They were fighting all the time. But that didn't deter Boaz. He was ready and willing and able to take the widow Ruth as his wife, along with all her troubles, all her poverty, her debt, and her baggage. But remembering that polygamy was man's idea, not God's, we can know that God wanted the very best for us. And the very best for Ruth was Boaz. Yep. A man who is not willing to support his wife emotionally and financially is a bozo. He's no Boaz. The article also takes note that a Boaz is a man who respects you. From the moment that Ruth and Boaz first met, he showed her absolute deference, respect, and protection. And you can read about it in Ruth chapter 2. And not only did he show this respect towards Ruth, he instructed all of his servants to also treat her with the utmost respect. The article takes note of that and says this. In short, this exchange tells us that if a man won't speak and act respectfully toward you, He's a bozo. <laughs> now, <laughs> we want you to understand as, as we're presenting this information that we're not painting all polygamous men with the same broad brush because we know that there are many caring and respectful men who are caught up in polygamy groups, living polygamy because they think they're doing what God wants. But there are also too many men who are patriarchal in philosophy and treat women with little respect as if she's their property rather than someone who deserves individuality, respect, and freedom of choice. Mm -hmm. Other notable things about Boaz is that he had a deep respect for the law. He respected and honored God's law. And chapter 4 explains that he was respectful and sensitive towards Ruth's particular predicament. And in the end, Boaz got his bride. Fact, this is the original rags to riches yeah. Cinderella story. True, it is. <laughs> it's a beautiful story and it doesn't promote or entertain polygamy. And another attribute of Boaz was that he noticed more than just beauty in Ruth. Yeah, I, I like this. We see that Boaz noticed Ruth among all the harvesters and those who gleaned after the harvesters. We don't know how many people that entailed, but we know she stood out. The Bible tells us she was known for more than her looks. Remember how he said, all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. So that's what he was looking at, was, yeah. was not just how, how pretty she was, and she obviously was pretty, the, according to the text of the, of the story, but that she also had integrity, a woman of noble character. So yeah. he took note of that as well. Um, and of course, most of us know the saying that beauty is only skin deep. That's true. And, yeah. and the Bible explains uh, the beauty of a good character and of integrity, which both Ruth and Boaz exhibited. Now, I have to admit that first time I read Ruth, and, and then I did deep study of it, and, and I even 
have taught it a few times in Sunday school class because it so enthralled me. I had never, ever seen in my polygamy upbringing a man treat a woman the way Boaz treated Ruth. I just, I had never seen it. I'd never experienced it in, in our own home growing up no. with my father that's, and that's and sad, his wife, it? my yeah. mom, mm -hmm, yeah. really. And, and usually they just, the, the, what I had experienced in the polygamy group was just the women were under the thumb of the men and they had to obey and and they, um, you know, they just had to, to kneel to his authority, patriarchy. Mm -hmm. And uh, and this is, a, this is a beautiful story. Uh, and also the article brings out the woman in Proverbs 31 uh, and puts it next to the, the Ruth in, in um, the story of Ruth. And so we want to quote from pay, uh, Proverbs 31.10. It says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. And he called Ruth noble, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He, and, and Proverbs says she's worth more than rubies. Now, it's interesting because rubies has always been a very special, uh, unique gem, yeah. gem that yeah. is uh, high valued. And then we finish the quote. Yeah, it says women can ask the same question. A, a husband of noble character, who can find? He would be worth far more than a big diamond ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so the Boaz is worth more than a big diamond ring <laughs> that right. you can buy you for your engagement ring, or the woman is worth more than many fine rubies. Of course, this is expounding on the integrity and the good character of godly man and a godly woman. And in reading Proverbs 31, we challenge you to do it. The story of Ruth, whether the woman in is married to a polygamous man in either uh, Proverbs 31 or in the book of Ruth, you'll find that she wasn't. We'd like to share a reader's comment from this article on the webpage. It says, I wondered, would there ever be anyone that would be my Boaz, willing to take on my emotional and financial baggage? I love the story. It lets me know that God is real and that there are real men who values a woman's not only outer beauty, but her inner beauty. I want a Boaz and not a bozo. And so that's what well, kind of... All, all women would want that. You would think so, huh? And so our question to our plural wives is, how does your husband treat you? Does he show utmost concern and respect for you? Uh, are you his one and only true love? Does he handle with lots of tender, loving care all your baggage? And at the end of the story of Ruth and Boaz, it's interesting that they become the great-grandparents of King David. That's right who are also in the genealogy that leads up to Jesus Christ. So are you married to a Boaz or to a Bozo? That was that's a, a question, question. we a wanted to ask. That's a, that's a fun one. And, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's um, a valid question because the polygamists do claim that Boaz was a polygamist man. Not mm. that there's any proof of it, but yeah, it, doesn't say that. <clears throat> it doesn't ever say that. But if he was, you know, if they want to use him, then use all of Boaz, not just that, well, he must have been a polygamist. The love and respect that he showed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The deference he gave yeah. her. Well, thanks again, Earl, you for joining and helping here. <laughs> you know, Boaz really is an Old Testament type of Jesus Christ who came to redeem sinners and to purchase 
our souls from the consequences of, of our sin. But even more than Boaz, Jesus can handle the baggage of our lives. He invites us to give him our burdens and take his peace in exchange. And Jesus also affirms what God's original plan for marriage was. One man, one woman, monogamy. And those who will deceive you into becoming their plural wife using threats of God's anger and displeasure or hellfire and damnation if you don't, well, they are the bozos because that is not true. The unforgivable sin is not rejecting polygamy. It's rejecting God's only remedy for sin. And that remedy is Jesus and only Jesus, not religion, not polygamy, not self-sacrifice, but the sacrifice of Jesus. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.